Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the triple homicide of Terry and Haley and Hannah in Alberta, Canada. Let's get right to it. Crow's Nest Pass is nestled in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. It's made up of five little towns, Hillcrest, Bellevue, Frank, Blairmore, and Coleman. These towns all have a rich history in coal mining. However, tourism is a huge part of what keeps the economy going today. And I 100% understand why. Crow's Nest Pass is breathtaking. And that is honestly a huge understatement. The views are absolutely stunning. You've got Crow's Nest Mountain, which stands alone, and it is striking against the blue Alberta sky. And just to the north, Seven Sisters Mountain reaches upward, and well, it's just beautiful. And the people of the pass, as it's affectionately called, are close-knit, hardworking, and proud. So it came as an absolute shock when an Amber Alert was issued on September 14, 2015, just a little after two in the afternoon, for two-year-old Haley Dunbar Blanchett, right there in Blairmore. And the circumstances behind why the Amber Alert was issued were even more shocking. According to CBA News, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or RCMP, in Crow's Nest Pass issued the alert after Haley's father, 27-year-old Terry Blanchett, was found dead at a home in Blairmore by a family member at around 11 a.m. According to Global News, Terry's father had stopped by his son's home after he didn't get any response to several calls or texts. This wasn't like his son, so he started to worry. He showed up just to make sure everything was okay. He walked up to the door and knocked. Again, no response. At this point, he started to panic, so he made entry into the home. And what he found was soul-crushing. His son was lying in a pool of blood in the bathroom with his throat cut. The scene was bloody and gruesome. It appeared the attack started in the bedroom due to the drag marks leading from the bedroom to the bathroom where Terry's body was ultimately found. Terry was obviously gone, but where was Haley? He searched, but Haley was nowhere to be found. He frantically called police. Officers responded, and upon their arrival, it was discovered that two-year-old Haley was really missing, and even more disturbing, there was blood in her crib and on one of her baby dolls. Where the hell was Haley? The next three hours were spent searching the neighborhood, contacting relatives, and talking to witnesses. Maybe she had gotten scared and ran for help. Maybe they were wrong and she had gone to her mother's. Maybe the answer was anything but that she had been taken by whatever monster had done this to her father. 
Haley's mother, Cheyenne Dunbar, who was no longer in a relationship with Terry Blanchett, contacted police after she found out about the search on Facebook. You see, Haley split her time between her mother and father, and Cheyenne informed officials that little Haley was definitely with her father, Terry, the previous night. And after a search through the house, contact with Haley's mother, and a canvas around the neighborhood, officials were growing more frightened and more officers were called in. A neighbor reported to the RCMP that around 3.30 a.m., he saw someone walking outside and then a white commercial-type van sitting in the alley, and that he also heard a child's voice and then witnessed the van speeding away. According to Officer Tony Hamori, this type of incident, combined with the scene at the residence, we found is concerning to the highest degree, both to the RCMP and communities down in Crow's Nest Pass. An Amber Alert was issued around 1 o'clock p.m., and details began to trickle out. CCTV footage obtained by police confirmed that there was a white van with a flag attached driving in the area of Blanchett's home, and it had fled the home traveling at a high rate of speed and heading west. The driver was male, but officials weren't sure at that time exactly how many suspects they were looking for, but they were obviously concerned for little Haley's safety and had already contacted the U.S. border to see if any vehicles matching that description had passed through. A helicopter had been deployed, a special tactical operations unit had been called down to patrol the crime scene, and although the original alert was only placed for Alberta, it was soon expanded to B.C., Saskatchewan, and Montana. The RCMP pulled out all the stops, and the police presence was huge. Everyone was frantically looking for Haley, but where could she be? Who had taken her and why? And who had murdered Terry? It doesn't take long until police had someone in their sights, and he was taken in and questioned. And what he revealed is absolutely devastating and disturbing. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Everyone held out hope that little Haley would be found alive and reunited with her mother, Cheyenne. The next day, September 15th, a vigil was held. Haley and Terry's families are there along with members of the community who had gathered to pray for Haley's safe return. But it is at that vigil at 8.50 p.m. that RCMP Victim Services arrived on scene and told Haley's mother and grandparents and everyone in attendance that Haley was gone. Her body had been found at her vigil. Her mother found out that her beautiful baby girl was gone from this world. At 10 p.m., RCMP held a press conference and informed the rest of the world that two-year-old Haley Dunbar Blanchett had been found deceased and that she, too, had been murdered, and they had their sights on a suspect. And just who did police have in their sights? 22-year-old Derek Saretsky. According to CTV News, Saratsky was once close friends with Cheyenne Dunbar, Haley's mother, but the two of them hadn't spoken in years. Police revealed that Saratsky was also an acquaintance of Terry Blanchett's. Cheyenne Dunbar said she was never aware that Terry and Saratsky knew each other, and she just doesn't understand why Saratsky would do any of this because they were great friends just a few years back. 
Officials initially were tight-lipped about exactly where Haley was found, only saying a rural area outside of Blairmore, leaving Haley and Terry's families to wonder exactly what the hell had happened. And what exactly had led police to Saretsky from the rip? He had no previous criminal record, and he'd never done anything violent before. He was working at his father's dry cleaning shop, Prestige Cleaners and Tailors, at that time, and living between his mother's home and a small apartment next to the cleaners. So how did he end up on their radar in the first place? It was revealed through the investigation and later through the trial that Prestige Cleaners owned white vans that were routinely used in their business. According to Lethbridge News Now, police had come and asked Soretzi's father, Larry, about a white van and said it was the subject of an Amber Alert. Larry spoke to his brother and found out that one of their vans had been moved with no legitimate reason and they informed police. The van was seized and police began to process the van. His father was becoming suspicious of his son's involvement in the missing two-year-old, so he point-blank asked him about Haley. Soretsky's response sent a chill down his father's spine. She's in heaven, he responded. Police were already at Soretsky's apartment searching, so Larry went to them and told them exactly what his son had just said. And the police were there already because blood had been found in that white van and not just a random spot here or there. The back of that van lit up like a Christmas tree. Things already weren't looking good for Soretsky. And what police found in his apartment had made things go from bad to worse. According again to Lethbridge News Now, during that search, police had discovered a couple red stains on the wall several latex gloves, some that tested positive for blood, a significant number of knives, a crowbar, a hammer, a hatchet, three box cutters, a pair of bloody cowboy boots, a measuring cup that had blood in it. Police later discovered that the blood in the measuring cup was actually Soretsky's. And if that weren't disturbing enough, Soretsky's most recent reading list was alarming. Several books found in the apartment only deepened investigators' suspicions. The HarperCollins Illustrated Medical Dictionary, a series of three true crime books called The Killer Book, Hannibal, and a book about the Illuminati. A coffee table in the apartment was photographed with graffiti on it, such as One Shot, One Kill, and This Is Not The End, Death Is Only The Beginning. Police seized a mountain of potential evidence and took Soretsky into custody. And before he's even taken down to the station, according to Global News, when Soretsky was told he was a suspect, he responded, yeah, I get it. Investigators press him further, stating someone's been killed and we have a two-year-old we have to find. This is serious. And Derek Soretsky again says she's in heaven and he knows this because her spirit's floating around. Wait, what? How in the hell did he know that? Police press him further once he's down at the station, but he's reluctant to tell the truth and talks in circles and hypotheticals. That is until RMCP Staff Sergeant Mike McCulley is called in. And when he sits down in that chair across from Soretsky, Everything changes. 
Macaulay is a seasoned officer who specializes in interrogation, and it showed. This man walks in cool, calm, and collected and gains Saretsky's trust in record time. And like a boss, he gets Saretsky to tell him everything. Well, almost everything. In an interview room with the camera rolling, investigator McCulley slid his chair forward. He was knee-to-knee with Saretsky. He looked Saretsky square in the eyes and asked, what happened? And at first, Saretsky denies knowing anything. McCulley presses again. You did mention to your dad that you did something horrible and that the devil was talking to you or something. Saretsky said, yeah. He takes control of me sometimes, and I don't know why, don't know how, even in my dreams. Saretsky claimed he didn't remember going to Terry's house and that he didn't do any of this. McCulley asked, what part of it didn't you do? He responded, any of it. I didn't do it. God did it, not me. He went on further to say that the finger was always pointed at him, but God did it. God had done this, not him, but again says Haley is in heaven in the stars with Jesus. Mike McCulley leans in just a little bit closer, lowers his voice just a tad bit lower, folded his hands up by his face and pleads with Derek, be a hero, buddy. Let this community know you're a hero, not a monster. Is she alive, Derek? Or is she dead? She's not alive. McCulley, hey, that's okay, that's okay. Where is she, buddy? Derek, is she out in the cold? She needs to come home. Look at me. Where is she, buddy? And what Saretsky said next shocked everyone. The devil made me turn her into ashes. It's then for the first time Saretsky breaks down and cries. McCulley consoled him, and he asked, How'd you kill her? I choked her. He goes on to say that he had choked Haley just like the devil chokes him and that she had suffered, quote, a little bit. I've got to warn y'all, as horrific as all that is, what Derek Saretsky tells Mike McCulley next is graphic, gruesome, and absolutely heartbreaking. I don't generally give warnings because I figure y'all know what you're getting into with a true crime podcast, but what happened to Terry and Haley is beyond evil and disturbing. How did you choke her? The officer asked. With a shoelace string, Saretsky responded. Why did the devil tell you to kill Terry? McCulley asked. He said he's a terrible father, said Saretsky. He then said he dismembered two-year-old Haley's body. I ate a little bit of her heart to try and strengthen mine, he said. I drank a bit of her blood to try to strengthen me. He told McCulley God told him to kill Blanchett by taunting me to do it. All this according to the Calgary Herald. Saretsky then walked McCulley through exactly what had happened. He had broken into Terry Blanchett's house where he found him sleeping. He hit him in the head with a crowbar, choked him with a rope, and then cut his throat because he was going to drain Terry's blood so that he could drink it as well. But he, quote, didn't drain it into a good container. Of all the reasons not to drink someone's blood, a good container doesn't rank on my top 50. 
This attack started in Terry's bedroom where he was sleeping and ended in the bathroom. Terry didn't die instantly and had drug himself down the hallway into the bathroom to try and escape Soretsky. It was in that bathroom Soretsky choked Terry and ultimately slashed his throat. After brutally murdering Terry, this monster went upstairs and crept into Haley's bedroom. He grabbed a pillow and placed it over her face to muffle her screams. He carried her out of the house and put her in the back of the dry cleaning van. According to Soretsky, little Haley sat there, terrified as he drove, eventually making it to a campsite in Blairmore that was owned by his family. Once they were at the campsite, Soretsky said he choked her as quick as he could. At this point, Mike McCulley convinced Soretsky to take him back to the scene, so they hop in the car and head out to that rural campsite, according to the Calgary Herald. Police were already there at that exact spot because just hours earlier, a couple of Soretsky's cousins had called to report that they had found something weird on the property. Soretsky climbed out of the car, shackled, and walked police over to the campsite. A fire was still smoldering in the fire pit with picnic tables all around. McCauley asked Soretsky, what'd you do first? Soretsky gestured and pointed while he spoke. He told McCauley that he started the fire with books. Once the fire was raging, he choked Haley, dismembered her, drained her blood into the container, cannibalized part of her body, and drank her blood and then put her remains in the fire, gesturing to the fire pit that was still smoldering. A pot on one of the picnic tables was stained red with blood, which later came back as a match to Haley. McCauley again asked Derek Soretsky why he would drink the blood and consume parts of the body, and he said he thought it would be really healthy for him to do, to gain a bit of strength, and that he had said a prayer and asked God to rest her soul. Soretsky recounted all of this with absolutely no emotion. It was as if they were discussing anything other than two horrific murders and cannibalism. He goes on to say that Terry Blanchett had recently given him a dirty look and that he had feelings for Cheyenne despite not having recent contact with her. He then described how he had not only burned Haley's remains, but also the shoelace, rope, his clothes, the knife, and other evidence. He then went back to his apartment, showered, and smoked some weed. Derek Soretsky was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and indignity to a body. Investigators spent three days sifting through the ashes of that campfire. The embers were still so hot that an officer actually burned his hand, retrieving evidence. Bone fragments and at least one tooth were found. However, no DNA could be recovered due to the condition of the remains. However, an expert would later testify that these remains belonged to a child aged two to four, and other items like that pot would trace back to little Haley, according to Global News. This, of course, devastated the Blanchett-Dunbar family. Not only had Terry and Haley been taken away in a horrific manner, their bodies had been desecrated as well. I can't even freaking imagine. 
And just when you think there's no way this can possibly get worse, it freaking does. In that mountain of evidence, police seized from Terry's apartment, a tiny little notepad containing a list was found. And what was written on that list changed everything. The list was titled Medicine Fresh, and there were four names on that list. It read Hannah, Sleepers for the Dogs, Shy, Terry, and the Hideous Baby. My heart breaks every time I read those words. Shy was in reference to Cheyenne, Haley's mother, and the Hideous Baby. This piece of human garbage meant those words for the beautiful Haley. Hannah? Who was Hannah? And Sleepers for the Dogs? What was that? According to the Calgary Herald, in March of 2016, nearly six months after the murder of Terry and Haley, Derek Saretsky confessed to yet another murder. This time, it was 69-year-old Hannah Mekatek, who had been found murdered in her Coleman home on September 9, 2015, just days before the double murder of Haley and Terry. And like a boss, Sergeant Mike McCauley had been called in again to speak with Saretsky. McCauley asked, was it practice for the next one a little bit? Saretsky responded, yeah, I guess so. And when asked why he had picked Hannah, he told McCauley, quote, I didn't think anybody cared about her. He then described how he had just went to Hannah's home, and he just did it. He just kicked in the door, hit Hannah in the head with a baseball bat, stabbed her, and then left. Concerned neighbors had called 911 when they noticed Hannah's door was open. Hannah Mekatek was found dead, her dogs that she loved so much right beside her. And while nothing that I could find was ever reported about those sleepers for the dogs Saretsky mentioned on his list, I only suspect that this monster had plans to give the dogs something so that they wouldn't interrupt his disgusting plans. Hannah's autopsy report found that her cause of death was a combination of blunt and sharp force trauma. According to the Calgary Herald, officials initially didn't believe there was a connection between the murder of Terry and Haley and Hannah, but once they discovered that Derek Saretsky's grandparents were her neighbors and that Saretsky had done odd jobs for Hannah in the past, along with the similarities in the attacks, he had been named a suspect. Of course, once that list was discovered, they knew they had their man. Another count of first-degree murder was added to Derek Saretsky's charges in April of 2016. The wheels of justice turn just as slowly for our Canadian friends as they do here in America. Time ticked on. And I just want to point out that much of the evidence police had on Saretsky wasn't publicly available, so the people of Alberta didn't exactly know how gruesome Saretsky's crimes were. But they were about to find out. On June 7, 2017, the trial began, and the Crown, or prosecution as it's known in the States, presented a hell of a case based largely on Saretsky's confessions and physical evidence to back it up. According to Lethbridge News Now, one juror actually had to be excused because the juror couldn't handle hearing or seeing the horrific acts performed at the hands of Saretsky. Testimony from Saretsky's grandfather explained how Saretsky knew 69-year-old Hannah Mekatek. She had been their neighbor and friend for 25 years. He told the court, 
She was a very nice lady. She had a real big heart. She was there if you ever needed her. She was a good friend. He went on to further say that in September of 2015, Saretsky had wanted to come and visit, but that he couldn't bring himself to meet with his grandson because Saretsky was using drugs and alcohol, and he didn't want that in his house. Further testimony revealed that 69-year-old Hannah had tried to defend herself when she was attacked by Saretsky and had defensive wounds. It takes a real coward to attack a 69-year-old woman. Derek Saretsky's father testified and said he knew his son was involved due to the statements and his behavior around the time of the killings. He broke down on the stand multiple times and struggled through his testimony. It was revealed through Cheyenne's testimony that she had never had a romantic relationship with Saretsky, and they were just friends. But he had hung out with Cheyenne and Haley when Haley was just an infant. That fact haunts me. Saretsky had pled not guilty, but as far as a defense went, there really wasn't one. I mean, the insanity defense was probably his best shot. But after not one, but two court-ordered psychological assessments, it was determined that Saretsky could not use not criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder because he absolutely knew right from wrong. After a three-week trial, it only took jurors three hours to find Derek Saretsky guilty on all three counts of first-degree murder and causing an indignity to a body. Seven victim impact statements were read in the courtroom. Haley's maternal grandmother spoke. Our family has been to hell. The horror she must have endured haunts my every waking moment. Statements from Haley's mother were read by the Crown. I cry for my baby every day. She was my world. She was my reason for living. I take a daily regimen of medicine to help me get through the day. I've woken up at night thinking I can hear her, only to realize it's just a dream. They say time heals all wounds. I'm here to tell you it doesn't. The Crown also read Terry's sister Amanda's victim impact statement. Our lives became a real horror show, Amanda said. I carry sadness so deep in my heart that it sometimes physically hurts. He stole an innocent baby, screaming from her crib. He held the devil's hand, and now he must reap what he sows. Hannah Mechatech's friend spoke, sobbing with each word. You have destroyed everything we knew and felt safe with, she said. You are an animal, an indescribable beast. About Hannah, she said, animals taught her about love, and Hannah's estate was given to the Ronald McDonald house because Hannah had told her friend that as a child, she spent a lot of time in the hospital alone, all this according to Global News. In 2020, Saretsky filed an appeal on the conviction for Hannah's murder on the grounds that he was not properly advised of his right to counsel. It was quickly dismissed due to the fact that mentioning right to counsel is only required after an arrest or a detention, which was not the case when Saretsky confessed to Hannah's murder. The appeal was quickly dismissed, according to CTV News. I mean, this wasn't his first rodeo in an interrogation. He'd already been questioned and confessed in two other whole-ass murders before this one. Three families were forever ripped apart by the actions of the monster that is Derek Saretsky. 
And while these statements were read and all throughout the trial, Saretsky showed no emotion besides an occasional smirk or smile. The nerve of this bitch. On August 9, 2017, Saretsky was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 75 years. He would be 97 before he would even get an opportunity at freedom. This piece of shit will live the rest of his pathetic life behind bars as he should. Terry Blanchett is remembered as an amazing and devoted father. Little Haley was his world. Haley was a beautiful and completely innocent child who was loved by anyone who laid eyes on her. And Hannah Mechatech was a kind and gentle soul who loved animals, and she was a great friend. Their murders were absolutely horrific and senseless. There's no excuse or justification for any of this. What Derek Saretsky did was just simply evil. More information will be posted on my Facebook, at least of these, and on my Instagram, at least underscore of these. I'll be bringing you an all-new case next Thursday, and I can't wait to tell you this story. Make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other. Otte ud af ti personer har haft hovedpine i løbet af det sidste år. I Ibren lindrer lette til moderate smerter, også hovedpine i op til 8 timer med to tabletter. Ibren er et lægemiddel, der indeholder ibuprofen. Væsentlige bivirkninger af maveblødninger, mavesår, hudledelser og allergiske reaktioner. Læs mere om Ibren på indlægsedlen eller emballagen og kontakt din læge eller apoteket, hvis du er i tvivl om noget.